Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode four of The Bank. Um, I'm your host, Jordan Coe, here with Gabe Ferguson. Um, you guys can find us on, on Twitter at, at BSL Jordan Co. and at Gabe Fergie. Um, and we're here to continue to talk about the draft. We've covered inside linebackers. We've covered edge guys who seem like two big needs for the Ravens. Um, you know, actually, it sounded today. I don't know if you saw Gabe, the Ravens signed an inside linebacker um, and Jake Ryan. Yep. Um, I don't know. I have I literally have zero feelings about that, given he almost didn't play last year, was hurt the year before. I mean, I, I liked him three years ago when Green Bay, so yeah. it's a nice buy low opportunity. But uh, I don't think I'd it, that in there. I don't think it changes the Ravens' outlook on drafting a position at all. It's still a very prominent need, in my opinion. So, I mean, he might be a guy who makes a roster, and he might be a starter. Who knows? But I don't think the Ravens can count on him going into the draft as somebody. Yeah, he strikes me as the inverse of uh, LJ Fort. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a white guy. He can defend the run pretty well. Um, strong, athletic up front, first two downs instead of third down kind of guy. But, um, you know, it's just been a while since anybody's actually seen him play. Yeah. I mean, anytime you haven't played in two years, it's kind of a giant question mark. And I think he was a kind of player who was ascending. He was getting better each, each year that he was in the NFL. Um, but coming off one major injury after another, it's just hard to see him, you know, really having a major role, but you never know. Sometimes, I mean, Josh Bynes had kind of missed a large part of the past two seasons with injuries, so, and he was older, so you never know. I mean, yeah. injuries aren't what they used to. Players can come back from them. We'll have to see what the contract is, but, I, you know, he's the kind of guy they needed to bring in. Hopefully it's not a big guaranteed number that they yeah. can't cut him before camp, at the end of camp, so. Yeah, I think it's a great move. You know, just having somebody you can, at the worst, be a guy that you see and look at, and maybe he can be a depth player. Um, and that's like the worst potential and you can probably move on from quite easily if the contract isn't too bad. I mean, I'm not assuming they gave him a lot of guaranteed money, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, totally. Um, well, that leads us with wide receivers and pass catchers. And, you know, I think you and I have, you know, we've approached this in very much kind of a draft style, you know, who are the, who's going to be there? Who do we like? Who do we not like in kind of an alternate way? thought that might be a good way for us to approach this, but you know, it seems like right off the top, there are three guys in the wide receiver class that are a little bit above everybody else. Um, and we're talking about CD lamb, Jerry, Judy, and Henry Ruggs. Um, all three guys have really interesting parts to kind of who they are and, you know, their impact Judy and lamb are fantastic route runners. Ruggs is just a lightning bolt in shoes. Um, you know, any early takes on those guys, you know, whether you think they'll get to the Ravens, yeah, I mean, they're obviously all very highly rated prospects. I think in any other draft class, they would each one of them would have a chance to be the number one wide receiver. Um, but this one, you have so many talented players, and you have to kind of kind of clump them all together as this tier, I think, of wide receivers that you talk about. Um, I think none of them will be there when the Ravens draft. It's possible one of them, you know, slips kind of into the late teens. But I expect them to all be off the board by probably when like Denver picks, I would imagine they're all going to be gone by then. Um, 
And, you know, I think anybody could give you a different ranking on these three guys, depending on what you want, what you care about. I think they all do kind of different things well. Um, obviously, you mentioned Ruggs is kind of like this speed guy. He's incredibly fast. He's basically like speed of kind of like Tyreek Hill, I think, is the comparison. He's not just fast. He's also like explosively fast and he's powerful. He's great hands. You know, he can run routes. Just uses speed to separate, and that's an incredible skill in the NFL. Um, he's not like a bad route runner, I don't think. He's not necessarily as refined a route runner as a guy like Jerry Judy, um, who is probably one of the more talented route runners that we've seen come out in recent years. And he also has speed. You know, he's not just a guy who can run routes like with that kind of craft, but he can also, you know, get downfield. Um, and then you have Lamb, who's I think probably the least developed as a route runner although he's probably underrated a little bit there he can definitely run routes he wasn't asked to run a lot of you know precise routes in the offense that he was in so it's but he has you know a lot of the traits you look for for a guy who could develop into that um so he's just a guy who's incredibly incredibly good at catch point he catches everything in the company's direction he's tenacious he's aggressive he's incredible after the catch you know he just won't go down um and he tracks the ball incredibly well in deep balls. Like he's just all around a phenomenal player. I think he's my number one in this class. Um, I know some people have said that he might have be the guy who slips. I, I don't see that happening personally because I, I just think that he has the kind of traits that you see as an alpha receiver. And that's what NFL teams look for, I think, more than like, oh, like how quickly did he run his three cone? I think, you know, when you look on the film, he's the guy who just like pops. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think the Ravens will have a chance to any of them. If any of them do slide for whatever reason, I think you have to consider trading up and getting one of them just because it's such a talent. And I think there is a clear tier that these three guys are in above the rest of the receivers in this class. You think any of these guys are kind of, you know, take it for what you will with the Julio Jones trade and whether or not and doing anything like that is ever worth it. Um, but are any of these guys kind of worth that kind of draft haul if, if they start to slide a little bit and then they can move up for them? I don't think that kind of draft haul, that was kind of a, a crazy high trade value that, the, that Atlanta had to move going from, I think they were in the back half, like maybe the last 10 picks of the draft, maybe like 25 or something like that. And they moved all the way up to like, what, five or four mm-hmm. or something? Super high. That's a huge amount of draft capital. I don't think any of these guys will require quite that much to move to get them if they do start slipping because it'll be probably into the late teens where they come into like the range where you could go get one of them um i don't think you would move up into like single digits to to try and take one especially in a class that we're going to talk about that is very deep you have other guys who have a lot of potential so i don't think making that larger a move is necessary but i do think maybe moving up 10 spots could potentially be worthwhile. Yeah, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on. I just looked it up. You know, the Julio Jones moment just popped into my head, but it was it was basically two firsts, um, the, the current 27th, the next year's, the 59th pick, so a late third uh, or a late second, um, the 124th pick and a fourth pick the following year. So um, then they moved up 21 spots. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the Ravens want to take a look at moving up. But I think, you know, your point here is the best, which is that there seems to be a ton of depth here in the wide receiver class. I, you know, I think 
we talked about a lot of names in the edge edge class, but I think that you and I both had things we didn't like about a lot of those guys. Mm -hmm. Um, the wide receiver class seems to be very much the overall opposite of that. There are a lot of guys and a lot of things to like in a lot of different ways, kind of across the board, depending on what the Ravens might want to look for or what they have fitting in. Um, so, you know, I thought the best, best way for us to talk about this is kind of pick three guys each that we like and, and talk about them and then pick one guy that, you know, people are high on, or it seems like they're getting good press that, that we aren't all that interested at the end. Um, you know, again, th there's so much talent here um, that, it, you know, it, it's hard to say where these guys are going to fall. And, you know, I think we talked about this previously. It seems like to me, runs on wide receivers are going to dictate where a lot of these guys go. And once one guy comes off the board that looks like the speed guy or looks like the fit in a certain system in a certain way, um, that things will change in that way. Um, but, you know, why don't you kick us off and, and pick a guy that you think that you like for the Ravens that fits that's after these top three guys? All right. Um, there's a couple of guys that I'm really intrigued in that, you know, the Ravens could take a look at in the second round, maybe in the top half of the second round if they trade back or somewhere in the middle to late if they wanted to just stay there at, what, 55 or maybe even move up a few spots and take one. Um, and they're actually kind of similar to the players I want to talk about. Um, but the first guy... I find really intriguing is Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC. Um, I think he is has, for whatever reason, undervalued throughout this entire draft process. And maybe it's because you know he plays on a on a West Coast team. You don't get his that weren't that wasn't necessarily the um, one of the top teams in the co country's past year. So he didn't get maybe as much attention as some of the other receivers get. He's not the fastest guy either. So a lot of times, the, you know, the really speedy electric types tend to get the the most hype um, in the NFL draft for whether that's right or wrong. It's definitely tends to be the case, um, but he's not slow by any stretch of the imagination and he's got incredible size. I think he's about six, four, you know, around 220 pounds. Like this is a big receiver and he knows how to use his body. Well, um, he can position himself between defenders to make the catch very well. He's, he's very efficient in, in doing that. Um, he can get deep. He's not like the speedster, like I talked about, like, you know, like, uh, like some of the other guys in this class that we talked about. Um, but he can make, he still be a very good deep threat, I think, just because he knows how to um, stack the receivers or uh, stack the DB and like use his body to kind of like separate, which is something that is, you know, it's a skill that he has. He's good underneath. He has excellent hands. Like he's not best route runner but he's like in terms of like precision quickness that kind of thing but he just knows how to get open um one of the things i, I notice a lot is that he does a really great job of working back to the quarterback um which i think is a really important tool for wide receivers i think it's something that is something that's natural to them um sometimes it's not something that can be taught always and it's kind of just a feel for this is where i can be to present myself to the receiver or to the quarterback and I think that's a, a really useful skill that he has. And in combined with his size and his excellent hands, I think he's just an incredible, reliable receiver. And I think that the skill sets are going to translate into the NFL, where I think on a team that, you know, targeted their receivers quite frequently, he'd be a guy who consistently get, you know, 70, 80 catches, 1,000 yards, six touchdowns. I think you could pencil that in for him. On the Ravens, he probably wouldn't. Put up that kind of production just because the Ravens don't throw their wide receivers that often, and you have a guy like Marquise Brown, 
who's going to get a lot of targets too. But I think they would be very good complementary receivers to each other. You know, one's kind of like the big possession guy. He can also work the boundary. He's a good enough route runner. He can also get deep. And then you have Brown, who's like the speedster. You can, you know, take the ball and run with it, or you can also obviously be a deep threat. Um, I think that's something that when you're a team looking to draft a player, you need to consider is how do these receivers work together? You don't all want to have the same type of receiver. You don't want to have speed guys. Although in some ways that could be very interesting if you have an offensive mind, you can put that to work. But I think having different skill sets at the receiver is important too. Yeah, you know, the thing that really stood out to me about Pittman, obviously physically really gifted, um, but, you know, one of the things that I was impressed with was his play on special teams. Um, Used his size great, blocked three punts throughout yeah. college, right? Like that's just, you know, not typically what you hear of from a wide receiver. And and obviously, you know, if the Ravens were to take him, it'd be, look, they need to get better on special teams. I think I think we saw some regression last year after Rosberg left um, in terms of how the Ravens perform there. Um, but also to me, it's more than the performance and his ability to potentially play there. It, that, that's talking about a team player, right? Like you're talking about the number one wide receiver, um, you know, at a, at a legitimate college program, still kind of trying to block kicks on special teams. Um, and that kind of attitude, I think, could go potentially a long way and also tells you how void of talent potentially <laughs> USC really was, you know, the past couple of years, too. Yeah, I think that's definitely an important point. And he's not the kick specialist, return specialist that right. some of the guys in his class are. Um, and we might talk about a couple of those guys later. But um, he, like you said, he does provide value there. Um, and that's impressive. You know, his ability to three kicks. I didn't realize it was that. I saw that he'd done two. But three three kick blocks, that's, you know, he's able to use his like size, his length to be on special teams. I think that's a, actually a, a really important skill to have as well. Yeah. So I, I think he's a really interesting guy. And I'm interested to see whether or not he's a guy that's secretly rising up boards across the way. Um, you know, I think just because we're not hearing things in the public about some of these wide receivers um, doesn't mean that that teams aren't going to teams aren't quietly doing the same thing. Um, and I'd be I wouldn't be terribly stunned if it, he ended up going somewhere very close to the end of the first or earlier in the second um, just because of that profile. Yeah, I agree. I, it's hard to know how teams value these players. And, you know, there have been reports coming out that have said, like, GMs think that we're doing, like, the worst job ever in terms of, like, the mock draft community or whatever. I mean, I feel like they probably think that every year. But, you know, we never really know. I mean, this 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 Michael Pittman guy who nobody was talking about probably a few months ago, and then he comes in and has a really good combine. Um and I think that kind of puts some eyes on him. Oh, you know, he's not a guy who's going to run a four six forty. He actually runs in like a low four five or high four four, and he's got great size and he can jump and he's got excellent hands. And you start putting all these things together, and it's, you watch his tape, and he's a really impressive, consistent player who doesn't drop the ball and gets open. Like, what is there not to like about him? And <laughs> I, I think, and and like I, we're talking about the other top guys he would be the number one wide receiver. I think he would be a first-round pick in a lot of drafts, and he might be in this one. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to the end of the first round, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you like? W- would you be upset if the Ravens took him with their first pick? No, I don't think I would be upset at all. I think maybe you might be able to wait on a wide receiver a little later, um, but he's a guy who I really like. I think he's probably my number five or six rated wide receiver in this class, and maybe even higher than that. I might, yeah, I think five. I probably have him at wide receiver five. And, you know, considering the first three guys I have as all going in the top, like, 
15, 20 picks mm. at the end of the first round. That, that feels about right to me, especially considering the talent kind of like flattens, I think, once you get past the top 15 mm. or so guys. Yeah. You kind of have like a, a flat pool of, of guys that you could all go anywhere between maybe 20 to 50 in this class. Yeah, well, um, you know, the, the top guy I got on my list is another guy that looks like he's going to be a late first-ish round pick, and that's Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. Um, I mean, just from a speed perspective, you know, the thing that, that really jumped out to me when I watched him on film was his ability. I wouldn't call it wiggle, right? You, you talk about running backs, or you talk about pass rushers that kind of use their side-to-side leverage to, to win against guys or create creases in space. Um, his was much more kind of like hip plant force and go, and it was incredibly explosive. Um, you know, you don't usually see guys that are running in the open field after the catch that break away with speed with the ball in their hands. Um, and that's something that you saw from Ayuk. You know, I, I think there a lot is made of 40 times and speed that you see on things, um, separation that you see when guys haven't caught the ball yet. And Ayuk obviously could show that when taking the top off of a defense, um, but sometimes that speed doesn't translate once they get the ball in their hands. Um, and Ayak was a guy where that wasn't the case. When he had the ball in his hands, he was, it wasn't like he was making guys get missed because guys couldn't get close enough to tackle him in a lot of instances. Um, and, and in the open field, he just seemed like a guy that, that just couldn't be caught. Um, and I love the value add of what that might look like for the Ravens. He was equally dynamic on kick returns. Um, as well. And I think that that's something the Ravens could really use. Um, and if they got a, if they took a wide receiver that could fill that role, um, you know, D'Anthony Thomas can, can gladly take a spot on another roster from, from my take. <laughs> um, I think the big knock on Ayak is that it, it seemed like he wasn't pressed a lot. And when he was, he couldn't get off of it. Um, and that's a concern at the, at the pro level. Cause even if you're not getting kind of a full on press, you're going to get guys kind of getting hands on you, rerouting you, trying to push you away from that. But once he could get by that, um, he was incredibly dynamic. And so, you know, can you teach a guy to get off the press or not? Um, and I think that's the big question I've got for the Ravens at this stage, which is, can they develop, like, can they actually develop a wide receiver? Right. Cause you know, outside of those kind of top four or five guys or whatever level you want to kind of count those top guys in, they're going to have to teach somebody how to do something. Um, and they're going to have gaps in their game. And so, you know, I like Ayak a lot, and I think it, you can teach guys to get off the press. Um, but I think that's a question the Ravens have to ask themselves of whether or not they think that's something that they can teach um, and whether or not guys like Humphreys and Peters and Smith who are going to be pressing him in practice every single day are going to be able to help him develop that skill too. Yeah, that's, so you made a lot of good points in there. Um, I'm going to start with what you talked about, the development of the wide receiver, because I think traditionally you would say the Ravens have been really poor in this area. You know, they haven't invested a ton of resources, especially recently. Well, I should say up until last year at the wide receiver position. Um, I mean, that's not even true. They, they drafted uh, Perryman, you know, a few years back, and that mm. obviously didn't work out. But maybe they did a poor job of developing him too. And he's actually turned into a decent kind of like secondary receiver in the NFL and a couple of different teams since he left Baltimore. So is that, you know a little bit of an issue with the Ravens. I mean, obviously we saw Hollywood come in last year and have a phenomenal rookie season and limited, you know, kind of experience in terms of, you know, he's missed a few games. He had an injury of his foot, but he was still able to produce. So is that just his natural ability or is that the Ravens putting him in position to succeed? 
could be a combination of both those things. I'm not sure if he needs a lot of kind of the tutelage that some other receivers would need. Like in this instance, we're talking about Ayuk, who I think you correctly pointed out, he really wasn't put in a position where he'd have to face press man coverage very often in college in the kind of scheme that they ran at Arizona State. And when he was in that kind of position, he struggled. Um, and I, I think t- that is something that can be taught. Um, and can the Ravens do that? Perhaps, perhaps not. Um, and perhaps it's something that you'd have to use him differently. You know, maybe use him as a guy who's your kind of slot receiver or like a flanker or somebody you can try to move around and avoid that kind of coverage. But is uh, Hollywood Brown a guy who's going to consistently be pressed? Or is Miles Boykin a guy who can consistently be pressed? I'm not sure about that. I think they all kind of have a little bit of a weakness there. Um, and, you know, if we're comparing him to the, the guy that I talked about, and Michael Pittman, I think he's a guy who has the physical ability to defeat that kind of coverage. And maybe not as consistently as some other receivers in the draft, but is that something you're looking for if you're the Ravens? Do you want a guy who can come in and be a little more advanced in terms of his route running? And I'm not saying that Ayuk isn't a good route runner. I think, you know, in his routes, um, the way he kind of can set up a defender who's playing off coverage or in zone, I think he's very nuanced and has some kind of advanced skills in his, the way he uses his body to sell fakes, that kind of thing. Um, I think that can be very useful in the NFL level, um, and you can translate that. But if he can just be shut down on the line of scrimmage, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. But you can get that, you know, the Ravens use a lot of motion which is something that yeah. you can use to kind of help there and, and you can get them in the ball in different ways. And if you're not passing a lot, you know, who, who knows, but yeah, you're going to need to learn to, to get off the press there. Yeah. So I think we can and move on to another guy I was going to talk about. Um, who's who I think actually compares very favorably to Michael Pittman, but he kind of has had an opposite trajectory in a lot of the draft lead up. And that's T Higgins out of Clemson, um, who I think, you know, Getting back to the college championship series, he was obviously a, you know a, a key figure, and Clemson has done over the past couple of years is one of the dominant college teams, um, and he's been a big part of that. He had you know I think an excellent college career playing in Clemson. He was in a system that probably helped him a little bit. He has you know one of the elite talents at quarterback throwing him the ball, so that obviously is something you have to consider when you're evaluating him. Um, both in a good way and in a negative way. Um, because I think in some cases, these wide receivers do not have a great quarterback play. And in his case, it was the opposite. So you have to consider that, I think, when you look at his production, at his, you know, kind of the touchdowns he was able to amass. The, the offense that he was working in was something that was putting him on a, on a pedestal. Um, but on the other hand, you can kind of see what he can be, you know, in like a really high-functioning offense. And... I think he could be a wide receiver one in an offense. And I think that some people would say, no, you know, he's, he can't separate or he's too big. He doesn't have the explosiveness. And to some degree, that's true. Um, he's not the most explosive wide receiver. He's not the, you know, the quickest, um, but he does have really good size. I think he compares in that way a lot to Michael Pittman um, that they both are around, you know, six, four, like two twenty. They're very big people who are able to do a lot of things. Um, I think Higgins is probably a little bit better after the catch. He's got a little bit of like wiggle to him. He's got a little bit of open field quickness and explosiveness that I think Pittman lacks. Um, I think Pittman's better at the catch point in terms of contested catches or his ability just to use his body. He's a little thicker, I think, than Higgins. There's a more strength there with Pittman. 
Um, but Higgins can make some of the most ridiculous catches you'll ever see. And mm. and I know this this comparison is probably going to make a lot of people just shake their heads. Um, but I, I see some Randy Moss and just the ability to kind of make crazy acrobatic catches, one-handed, two-handed, away from his body, over defenders. He did that fairly consistently in college. And he doesn't have the speed of Moss or like it's the freakiness of Moss, but there's a little bit of that catch ability that he has. That's, that's pretty unique, I think. Um, and and he's pretty consistent in that. I think he's not always going to make every contested catch, but that's not something you can really ask any player other than, than C.D. Lamb. Um, but he's just a pretty spectacular kind of, I can make the catch if the ball is thrown in my vicinity. Um, and that that's something that, I think would be really useful in the Ravens offense. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson obviously is a really impressive quarterback. He's not always the most pinpoint accurate quarterback. Um, I think the Ravens have done really well, the Ravens receivers, in terms of like making catches away from the frame a lot of times. And he, he gets the ball to a place that's catchable. It's not always like perfect precision that you see with some quarterbacks. I think that Higgins would uh, be a good receiver in this offense that can kind of you know, come down with some of those catches that are, are maybe not, I don't, I don't call them jump balls or anything like that, but not necessarily the most pinpoint accurate passes that are just th- kind of given him ability to make a play and come down with the ball. And I think he would be really good in that, in that way. Yeah. The Ravens could really use a guy that could make some contested catches. Um, you know, and I'd love Mark Andrews, but um, I don't think he thrives in those situations. Um, he's great at finding kind of the slip spots in zones and kind of squeaking his way open and getting separation. But like, you know, we saw it in the Tennessee game and I think he was still hurt there. But there are just times where like he if it's a contested ball, he's not a great go to for Lamar, I don't think. Um, and I'd love to you know, Higgins was a guy that pops that way. He also, you know, they use him on kind of screens and end arounds and all kinds of different stuff. And you could see the explosiveness in him. Um, and his value, you know, just seemed like it's really all over the charts mm-hmm. because early on, it seemed like he was a mid first rounder and everybody, there was consensus there and, and kind of each mock draft that I keep saying, he, he slips a, a little bit farther and farther and, you know, take a mock draft for what you will. But I think, I think that speaks to, I think it speaks to one, you know, the potential questions of, you know, what's really his upside here, but two, also just like what the depth of this class is. And, and, you know, already the guys that we're talking about, we've already talked about seven guys that are, you know, already going to be pretty decent um, to begin with. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't be, I, I don't know that I want to see the Ravens taken with the first round pick though. Um, what's your take on that? Um, in terms of value? Yeah. In terms of his value, like at 20, um, 28. Yeah. That's, so I, I feel pretty similar to him in terms of I do with Pittman. I think mm. I rate them similarly. I think 28 would be probably a little earlier than what the consensus would be for him going at this point, but I would be okay with it. I think he would be a great fit in the Ravens offense um, for all the reasons that I mentioned. And, you know, maybe he's a player that the Ravens could potentially target if they traded back. I think that would be an ideal scenario, honestly, for both of them. Um, maybe it's like, you could get an early second round pick instead of late first and get a right second. this is it's a little off topic in the sense but there are probably i mean it seems like there are more than enough guys that are going to be there when the ravens pick at 28 that seem like they'd be worth it yeah. taking at the 28th pick i mean I, I i the more i dig into this draft class and the more i dig into kind of where it seems like players and value are going um, unless the ravens have fallen in love with somebody um you know which they're obviously not going to disclose up to this point 
I just really, I, I'm really struggling to see them not trading back um, at this point. Obviously, you know, that fifth year option is super valuable at certain positions. Um, but I think, you know, some of that value gets lost if you're not talking about kind of elite like quarterback and edge rusher type guys, a wide receiver after four years, you can sign and the market value is not going to crush your team or your cap, um, you know, as much as it might like a left tackle or, you know, yeah. some other premium position. Yeah. Unless he becomes like, you know, the next like Michael Thomas, right. <laughs> Which and, obviously and, would be worth it if he did. So, <laughs> and it's pretty unlikely that you're going to see, I, I mean, you're going to have to have a high risk, high reward guy at the end of the first, um, you know, I'm going to deviate from our, our plan a little. I know we were going to talk about the guys we liked, but I think since we're talking about this part of the conversation, um, Mims is a guy out of Baylor that I think it fits into that category of you have to decide what you like is boom or bust. And I think you like the upside of what you see from T Higgins. Um, and I think when you talk about a guy like Mims, like, I mean, you see the same kind of stuff on tape. There are just some plays where it's just like whole that was incredible, like amazing things in terms of speed, in terms of catch radius, in terms of coming down with a ball. Um, but when you watch his tape, when you watch the entirety of a game, he it, it feels like he disappears at times. It feels like he's inconsistent. Um, I think I think I read that he had like 16 or 17 drops for yeah. two years of school. Um, you know, I, I don't, uh, you know, I've said for a while, I want the Ravens to, to look at guys. I think that that has a significant upside. So Mims falls into that category, but he's a guy that I would not, I, I don't think I put him on my draft list. There's too much value at wide receiver too much later in the draft that obviously the upside isn't quite as high, but is still there. Um, it scares me off of kind of that Jekyll and Hyde talent that you see from Mims. Yeah. I think I'm in the same boat with you with Mims and I know a lot of people who I trust in terms of their wide receiver valuations who really like Mims. And that gives me some pause in this opinion that I have. But I just, there's a lot of things that I see in him in terms of the testing that he put up at the Combine, for instance, that I don't see on the film necessarily. I think maybe there, you can definitely see that he's an athletic guy. Like he's, he's fast, but he's not like elite fast. I don't see, he had like a crazy good three cone drill at the combine. It was like a six, six or something, which is insane for a person his big, for size, I should say. But I don't see that kind of quick area burst and suddenness that, that would translate to on the field. And it's not, I'm not saying he's sluggish or anything like that, but I think he looks like a guy who moves well for someone his size, but he's not an amazing, like incredibly fast, explosive player. Um, I think the, the drops, like you mentioned, are a concern with him. And he's being potentially valued as, you know, someone who would go in, like, the mid to late first round, um, which is kind of where we've seen some of these other players that we're talking about, like Pittman or or uh, Higgins, potentially, and, and even Ayuk. I think they're all kind of in the same cluster of players. And, you know, they could go anywhere and from the late first to late second. Um, but I think there's a higher floor with the, the players that we discussed compared to Mims. I think Mims has a chance to kind of crater in the NFL if he's not in the right situation, if he's not coached up properly. Um, I actually think if you look at his athletic comparison, even some of his film, it's not that different than what Miles Boykin was for the Ravens. And, you know, he went in the third round in a much weaker wide receiver draft. So I wonder if kind of the group think about Mims as a first rounder is not entirely accurate 
I mean, he put up good numbers, but he wasn't like super productive in college and, you know, an offense that, you know, they had some quarterback issues there as well, but it's a, it's the big 12, you know, it's a high fast paced offense. A lot of times wide receivers coming out with some crazy looking stats and he wasn't quite there. So I, I, I see red flags with him as well. I don't think he's a guy I would be targeting in the first. Yeah. And I, I don't think he'll be there when the Ravens pick next, um, based on what we're hearing. But, you know, obviously, if he was if, if the second second round pick or the third round pick when the Ravens are there, even moving up in the third, I'd love I would love the value there. So it's a value thing more than it is um, more than it is a him thing. You know, if you, in that third round, if you can get that kind of wild card upside, um, you know, the Ravens should be rushing to make that pick. Yeah, I think it's also an idea of. What, if you're using a first-round pick on a player, or even a second-round pick, you want a guy who can come in and contribute right away. And I, th- I think with some of the players we've mentioned already, like with uh, Pittman, with the Higgins, they're more NFL-ready than Mims is. And, and maybe you know a guy like Ayuk is maybe a little less ready, but I think his upside is similarly high, and he's also a dynamite special teamer. So he has added value there. Um, so I think you know they're players I would I would be more comfortable with in their in the first round first two rounds for sure yeah so I'll double dip back in here on on the guy that I I like next and you know I'm I'm kind of drifting a little bit farther back now right because if you think about what the Ravens are going to do they're going to take a wide receiver with an early pick then you're probably not going to see them take another one at least until the second third and maybe later um but you know one of the guys that I really fell in love with watching the film was Chase Claypool um, and, you know, I know he was a teammate of Miles Boykin um, at Notre Dame, um, but obviously, you know, from his size and speed perspective, like a 4-4-5, you know, at 6-4, he's willing to block, looks like he could play tight end. I mean, he just easily could have replaced Hayden Hurst, um, you know, at a later round pick almost immediately um, and is dynamic looking in that regard. Um, obviously, just tons of athleticism and tons of like size. And so, you know, if I'm picking in the third round, um, you know, that's the type of guy that I'm looking for. Um, and he also just, he just popped on tape regularly, made contested catches, um, had a nose for the end zone um, too, that, you know, all kind of things that I liked that, that we were seeing from him. Yeah, um, I think he's a really interesting guy in this draft. And partially, or I think largely because I think there's an incredible upside of him, you know, transitioning to that, tight end role like you're, you're talking about like he's huge for a wide receiver and he's a great blocker um i think that he has potential to be a very good tight end like kind of like the a move tight end like he could play slot wide receiver he could block in line he could be like the h-back kind of guy um and that's interesting as as kind of a fit in the ravens offense because you know they have a need they, they traded away Hayden hurst um, who saw a lot of snaps in, in the Ravens system last year as a third tight end. Um, but he was a decent blocker, but he was more of a receiver, honestly. And I think, you know, Claypool could even could do a lot of those same things. And he's probably a little bit more explosive than Hurst was, even though Hurst was a pretty good athlete in his own right. Um, so that's a really interesting kind of mid-round pick, I think. And, you know, the, the Ravens have done this before. They took Darren Waller and he was a wide receiver in college. He was big. Um, he could block. He was in a block-heavy scheme at Georgia Tech, and they saw a tight end in him. And you know, it didn't work out for reasons that have been you know well documented. But he's now considered one of the better t- receiving tight ends, at least in, in the NFL, playing on a different roster, unfortunately. But I think Claypool could definitely be 
you know, in that kind of same mold. Yeah. The question really is where he's going to end up going in the draft at this point. You know, is it, is he yeah. going to be a guy that does drift into the end of the third or later? Um, obviously I would love to see him in terms of that kind of value. Um, or is he someone that is going to be more like early third because people are just going to see that athleticism and it's not an incredibly deep tight end class. So, you know, quietly his value might rise a little bit above what it, what it might, might be in a different draft. Yeah, and that's a good question. And I think if he was just given a strict tight end label, he might be talked about as a top tight end in this class. I mean, you know, the production wasn't huge with him, and you have to question his ability to play in that role. But I don't think this is a great tight end class by any means. Um, and I think you might not even see anybody taken until the third round as a pure tight end. It's it's hard to say for sure. You know, you might be completely yep. off on that, but it's it's definitely one of the weaker tight end classes we've seen. And, you know, maybe... Claypool is a guy who can definitely be a steal if he's if he finds the right you know value here. Yeah, and it's a little like a beating a dead horse, but you know if the Ravens can trade back into the kind of the mid to early second, um, and pick up a late second or like a like a mid to early third as as the result of that, and you're talking about guys like Claypool potentially thinking that you're going to have someone like that available. Um, I I, I just struggle to see why the Ravens won't do something like that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think this is definitely a a draft class where you want to trade back, maybe multiple times. Um, Pick up as many draft picks as you can and then use those as ammunition. You can use some mid to late round picks to get, you know, an extra second pick, an extra third round pick. And and I think that's something that the Ravens have done really well in maneuvering around and seeing how the the board is, is developing, seeing what other teams are doing and just, you know, like we talked a little bit about, you know, this is going to be an interesting draft to see how things go. So maybe with like the, the different conditions, we won't see as much draft day trading as we have in the past, but you know, maybe not. And maybe that's an opportunity for a team like the Ravens who wants to be aggressive. So we'll see what happens. Um, I think there's another guy who's very different that I want to talk about in this um, draft as well. Um, at least different than some of the names we talked about before. And that's uh KJ Hamler out of, of Penn State. And he's really intriguing to me um, in both a good and bad way. But I think he's interesting um, just because when you when you see what he could be in the NFL, you're I I'm like kind of blown away at this. Like a team that's smart on offense and uses his skills the right way would have an incredibly um, powerful, I think, offensive weapon. Um, he has limitations, um, so he's he's very small. He's probably what like five nine, like one eighty, um, similar to like Hollywood Brown in that sense. Um, but he's not similar in the sense that he doesn't shy away from contact. He runs people over. He runs through contact. He runs around contact. He jumps over contact. Um, he's incredibly athletic. He's honestly maybe the quickest person I've ever watch in college just in terms of his you know start to stop explosiveness acceleration i mean i didn't really watch tyree kill he's probably like that in college but hamler just has some incredibly unique short area burst that is that is something that i think in an offense that he uses well could be very effective in college he was kind of used in that sense in some ways and sometimes I felt like he was just completely misused, um, miscast. I think in the NFL, the question is, how how can you utilize him? Do you just use him as a slot wide receiver? 
Um, I think you'll be very successful as a slot wide receiver. He could be somebody who catches, you know, 75, 80 passes out of the slot. It's because he just has this uncanny ability to gain separation naturally. Like, somebody who's lined up in the slot isn't just going to be able to cover, cover him on, like, an option route. Or even, like, out of, you can go take a, a nine route out of the slot and just beat coverage just with his speed. Um, I think that's very interesting, and I think he's obviously intriguing for, for anybody. On the flip side, he's a player who struggles with catching the ball, which is something that you have to flag, I think, as someone who's evaluating him. He has a lot of drops. He's not great at the catch point. He, I think he tracks the deep ball decently well, but he doesn't catch away from his body. He kind of like catches in his body, he cradles, he double catches a lot. Those are all red flags for me. Like I would be concerned about his ability to make anything where there's a player close to him, any catch where there's a player close to him. Um, the good thing about him is a lot of times the players aren't close to him because he's so fast, he's so quick. Um, he just gets wide open so easily. And in an offense like the Ravens, who have you know a dynamic weapon at quarterback, they have another very fast, very electric weapon with Hollywood Brown. You have a tight end like Andrews who commands coverage. I think he could be wide open all the time in the Ravens offense, and that's really intriguing to me. But there are red flags, and... I'm not sure how any team is going to evaluate him because you, I think you have to know that you can use him properly because you, you can't just put him into like your outside, you know, X, Y receiver role and expect him to thrive. You have to use him in the proper way. So I don't know if you had much of a chance to watch him, but. I didn't, you know, obviously the profile on him sounds like speed and depth. You know, I think the question for me for the Ravens next year is what kind of offensive system do they really want to run? Um, you know, are we going to see a lot of runs on first and second down to need a guy that is, you know, going to be able to catch the ball on third day downs to keep drives going, um, you know, to be there to be able to kind of pick up those big spots when the spies are there on Lamar to be able to slip in behind them and make big time catches. Um, and, you know, or do we already have that kind of guy on the roster? And I don't think we do. Um, Steed, to an extent, um, great hands and, and kind of good ability to get open. So maybe he's that guy. Um, but that's my question for, for a guy like Hamler, which is, you know, are the Ravens going to start to try and throw it on first and second down more next year um, and open it up and widen those lanes a little bit and challenge teams to defend them in different ways throughout the entirety of the year? Um, and if that's something that they want to do, I think a guy like Hamler is a guy you really got to consider right because you know you you saw what um speed does on the field like mccall hardman from kansas city honestly like if you just watch his film and you watch him as a receiver he's rather unimpressive um but his ability to run in a straight line and for them to be able to run vertical routes that put pressure on defenses mahomes to be able to run around a little bit and him be able to get the ball deep um is enough sometimes and so i think that that some of the shortcomings of hamler can be offset like you were saying by scheme and so if the ravens are willing to use him right then i want you know and he's a guy that's there with again we're kind of talking about the second round pick mm -hmm. um you know even the first of the two second round picks then i am all on board for a guy like that um if that's how they think that they can use him yeah i think that's that's the really the question here and what kind of offense do the ravens want to be do they want to be i mean and maybe that doesn't have to be like an all or nothing question like they can be multiple in what they do on offense potentially and i think ideally that's what any team wants to be but you know the, the ravens have they clearly led the team or the league in in rushing last year and is that something that they're going to try and do again i mean they have 
most of the pieces in place to be a very successful run team again. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is, is a huge part of that, but they have two very good running backs, I think, who fit the scheme very well. And then you have a guy like Justice Hill who can be kind of a, a wild card in that situation. Um, you know, we're not going to be talking about running back very much, I think, in the draft, but they could potentially be looking to, you know, go that route and get another running back and just be like, we're just going to run, run, run. Um, and that's that's intriguing. And maybe in that case, you want to get big wide receivers you can block. Like, I think I didn't talk about this with Pittman, but he's a very good blocker. He's a guy who can be kind of a dominant outside guy. You put him out there with Boykin and, you know, have two big guys who could be very good at blocking. And that, and that really improves your explosive plays as a running team because if you don't have the downfield blocking from the tight ends and wide receivers, it's going to limit your ability to really be an explosive offense if you're going to be running the ball as much as the Ravens do. But yeah, they have that, so. yeah, the the last guy that I, that I like um, that I was looking at, this is a guy who I think is going to be available in the late third and maybe even in the fourth um, just because he, he didn't compete at the combine and has a little bit of a injury history um, is Brian Edwards from South Carolina. Um, and on tape, he's really impressive. Um, first of all, he reminds me of a big physical kind of Anquan Bolden-ish kind of receiver. Big bodied, 6'3", kind of like doesn't shy away from that contact. Um, but one of the things that I liked about him is that he seemed to have just a lot of versatility and be able to do a lot of things well within the context of his game. Um, you know, he could run double moves. He could run deep. He could run underneath. He was kind of running routes at all three levels for South Carolina. Um, and it seems like, you know, I don't know a ton about their quarterback situation, but from the tape that I watched, it seemed like he was getting open at times and not getting the ball and not getting looks. Um, obviously, injuries are a red flag, but when you've got these big physical kind of like lower body strong wide receivers, then we're talking about what the Ravens are looking for in terms of blocking and fitting in terms of scheme. You know, I guess he would kind of be my counter to a guy like Hamler, where he's going to be able to be in the slot, be on the outside, block guys be in motion, kind of be able to do a little of everything. Now, it's quite, there are questions of whether or not he can stay healthy, and I think that that's going to just absolutely drain his draft value. Um, but I think he's one of those interesting guys that if he falls far enough, um, could be one of those really surprising four years from now guys that we talked about in the draft that got drafted so late. Yeah, I really like Edwards. Um, I think he's a great mid-round target in terms of a guy who can come in and contribute right away. He's, I think he's a very good route runner, like you kind of mentioned. Um, he has size. He has ability to, to separate. Um, he's not, like, an amazing speed guy, I don't think, but he's fast enough that he can, he can get, get, get separation in his routes. Um, he can get open downfield, and he's, he's very good at making catches. Um, he's, he's, um, you know, he can kind of do some of those crazy contested circus catches as well. Um, so I think... He might be a player who might go earlier than we anticipate, but like you mentioned with the injuries that he's had, that might drive down his stock as well. So um, it's really hard to know how teams evaluate that, especially in a draft like this, where you're not really getting the ability to have team doctors potentially um, do the medical evaluations that they normally would. So, you know, I've heard a lot of rumblings that guys with the red flags from injuries are just going to tank because it's hard to put a lot of stock into a player that you don't know what their medical looks like. So right. we'll see with the guy like that. Um, It'll be really interesting to watch what the Ravens do with guys like that, then, um, and whether or not they try and take a chance on a guy or two that might fall because of that kind of value. Yeah. And, and that brings me to another player that I kind of have flagged as a, I don't think he's a great fit for the Ravens, 
because partially of the medical history, and that's uh, LaVisca Chenault out of mm. Colorado. Um, he, I think he just had like a hernia surgery that, and I think there's another issue with an injury also in there. Maybe I'm not 100% about that, but I think anytime there's a guy who has kind of the injury surgery flag, you're concerned. He's also, I would say, a very raw kind of route runner. He wasn't asked to run a lot of routes, and he didn't. Um, that doesn't mean he couldn't be, but I get these kind of Cordero Patterson vibes from him that just won't leave. And he was kind of used as this like offensive weapon at times. He was used as like a, a running back in certain situations, and that is intriguing in some ways because you know maybe you could use him as kind of a guy who takes a screen pass and you try and get him to pick up yards or come with him on jet sweeps and maybe even use him in the backfield, that kind of thing. I think in a creative offense like the Ravens have, he could be utilized, but I'm not sure what his upside is um, as a wide receiver, especially in the Ravens offense. And I'm not sure what his value is either. I mean, I think some people have him great as a first-round wide receiver. I don't think I would consider him until mid the end of the second or early third. Personally, I think maybe like you talked about with Mims, at some point there's upside with him and you would, would take the chance if he's available, um, maybe with that pick 60. But I think there's just too many other options who I have, I have more faith in as, as the guy who can succeed in the NFL as a wide receiver that I would probably pass on him. Yeah, I think I think the big question for the draft is, you know, especially when it comes to receiver, is just going to be how far you're willing to kind of test the boundaries of waiting on a guy that's going to be around later. I mean, there's so many names out there <laughs> that could fit in offenses in different ways that are that are interesting from a receiving perspective. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether or not teams have one or two guys that they really like amongst those group and they're going to go after them and they're going to go after them hard or whether everybody's just going to be able to kind of sit back and wait. And I think it's going to dictate so much about this draft. Part of me would rather see guys like Mims and Ayuk, um, you know, and even Pittman to this, to this regard, go earlier and all get squeezed into the first and see kind of a, extra asset value get put on those picks and allow the Ravens to maximize what they do with the 28th because either better players are available mm -hmm. later or they can move back because that run seems really real and teams want to get the guys they want and the Ravens are willing to wait. Um, you know, that that's kind of my take on the position at this point. I think that if you look at receiver and you look at who's catching passes for the Ravens, Sneed, Brown, Boykin um, and Andrews is a really solid combination. I mean, it's not that it's not top 10 in the league, but it's certainly better than, than average. Um, and so I think, you know, you, you add a piece, you don't need to add a number one guy for that group to get into the top 10. Um, and if that's the case, you know, how do the Ravens play that value or is there a guy they look at and they're like, this guy makes us a top five receiving group. We got to go get it. Yeah, that's a great, great uh, point. I'm not sure how the ratings will value this class. I'm not sure how they value their, their, what they have in-house. You know, maybe they think that Miles Boykin just needed a year to develop and he will become, like, kind of this go-to either outside receiver. Maybe they move him into the slot. I think he could do really well in, in the slot, potentially. Um, even, like, with Snead, both of them working like that. Um, and, you know, we don't really know exactly obviously how the ravens are going to see this class wide receivers like you said maybe they have a few guys who they think are very highly on 
Um, maybe they're just going to sit back and try and get value with somebody in the in the mid to late rounds. Um, I think wide receiver is definitely a need on the team um, because outside of the top three guys, it's it's really just a bunch of question marks. Um, a couple of special teams guys, essentially, and Julio Scott, who is basically just kind of the upside guy who's at the end of the roster. So I think it's a position of need for sure. Um, I think the Ravens realize that. They know that they need to get some more reliable options for Lamar as he continues to develop. Um, and whether that means kind of taking an early draft pick or maybe that means just hoping that you get guys who can contribute right away in, 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 like a later, in a later round. But whatever their approach, I think the Ravens have you know a good roster as it is and they, they can get by with what they're using. They use a tight end a lot, obviously. So maybe they, you know, take a guy like Claypool who they can use um, in, in like the third round and he can be like that go-to kind of tight end um, opposite of Andrews. So there's lots of different options and I think I'm just kind of excited to see how it's going to all play out at this point. Yeah, the draft is right around the corner now. So um, hopefully, you know, I think it's going to be an entertaining couple days. It'll be nice to have some sports conversation and coverage going on in the middle of all that. Um, and hopefully everybody out there listening is uh, staying safe right now. Um, but I think we might try and squeeze one more podcast in before the draft where we talk a little bit about some other guys, risers, fallers, other names. So if anybody's got someone that you're interested in hearing us look into some tape on or try and delve into a little bit more, feel free to share that with us on Twitter. I'm at BSL Jordan Co. Gabe's at, at Gabe Fergie. You can also catch us on BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com's message boards. Um, so we've got a spot there about the podcast, and we're also chatting regularly there. So um, send us your questions. We'll be happy to cover them. Um, but thanks for listening. Yep. Um, I should have a, a third mock draft going up this week, right before the draft. And I did some maneuvering this time, thought about some potential trades, and I think it could, I think it could work out nicely for the Ravens if they go that route. So keep an eye out for that. And, yeah, thanks for listening. All right. Bye, everybody.